Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. The music you hear, not our usual music, is music of Bach. And that's uh, music usually performed by cello, in this case, performed by Venezuelan double bassist Erickson Ruiz, who is our main guest on the program today. Erickson Ruiz is one of the premier double bass soloists in the world. He's a previous winner of the International Society of Bassist Solo Competition, and in 2003 became one of the youngest members of the Berlin Philharmonic at the age of uh, 18. He's described as a shining example of the groundbreaking El Sistema. Mr. Ruiz was in Logan in March to participate in several activities at Utah State University. Then restrictions were imposed to prevent the spread of the coronavirus. I did complete an interview with him, which we'll hear today, and the USU Symphony Orchestra completed a dress rehearsal with Mr. Ruiz. At the end of the hour today, we'll hear a portion of a recording of that dress rehearsal. And we invite you to join us now for conversation with Erickson Ruiz, also with Sergio Bernal, Director of Orchestral Studies in the Kane College of the Arts at USU, and Bron Kahn, Assistant Professor of Double Bass and Jazz Studies at USU. So, Erickson Ruiz um, grew up in Venezuela. Yes, I obviously, did. and and you. When did you enter El Sistema? When did you get started? I think it was around when I was eleven. Okay, it must have been January of nineteen ninety-six. Mm. It was just a coincidence because my mom was very worried to make me busy in mm. order not to have too much time for messing around and getting in trouble mm-hmm. and so she tried everything with me karate and uh, handmade porcelain duties and and uh, swimming and choral mm. uh, some of the choral and and I mean in the choir is what mm-hmm. I mean right and coincidentally in the street she heard about the youth orchestra for children and I got also there mm-hmm. registered and and I took the violin, the viola. I I I pick up. I wrote down. I want to play or violin or viola or flute. <laughs> and then they gave me the viola, and in the first lesson it started to fall apart. Oh, the okay. shoulders rest fall down. I couldn't tune it. The, the 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 tuners wouldn't stay there and mm-hmm. fixed, and so that they would just come back, and it was a disaster. And then the bridge collapsed of the instrument, and. And then the, on top, the teacher told me that my neck has to be bent. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, this is not for me. And in the first rehearsal, I saw the bass. Mm. And he um, had very few notes to play. Actually, if by bar, counting just one note. And no weird positions. And uh, I just have to stand beside him and I thought well that's for me I'm not a genius so mm. <laughs> I don't want to practice too much <laughs> and I, that's why I picked it up and um, since then I have been just in love with it trying to of course to dominate it but on the other side also to share it with others because mm. uh, nowadays I realize that the, the violin, piano, cello uh, it's a way more and also the viola, way more stimated in the music uh, industry. And that the bass, even that the bass had more beautiful and way more concerti with orchestra, the viola is in advantage mm-hmm. for somehow. And they don't have really many concertos. And, and I'm, I'm so passionate, uh, mm-hmm. passionate about it that I'm very lucky to he- hear 
uh, for the f second time actually in the States as soloist. The first time was in 2006 in the Lincoln Center of New York with Alondra de la Parra and the Youth Orchestra of the Americas. And um, uh, this is the second time I play solo. I, I won the Indianapolis International Competition for Double Basses in 2001, uh, but that doesn't really count, like mm -hmm. <laughs> solo concerto. And I'm so thrilled to also to work with the students of Mr. Can, who were so generous to unite forces with Maestro Bernal to make this dream come true and that uh, they could come and work with the youth and work with the kids and exchange experiences and, and thoughts about music because Europe is in a way so traditional and America has, uh, has my country, South America, they are always avant-garde and always uh, improving to the future and finding solutions. So it's like old old world meets the future <laughs> mm. in music and uh, of course uh, they will disagree with me at some point and and I will probably be old fashioned <laughs> <laughs> right at that point yeah yes right. <laughs> uh, so Sergio Banal uh, tell me about El Sistema then I'll ask uh, Erickson about it as well yes El Sistema was founded uh, it started around 1975 with Maestro Jose Antonio Abreu, who was a visionary man who saw that through music, there was a, a, a something about music making was a, a provided new ways of looking at life and, and particularly for social development. And what Mr. Ruiz was mentioning about uh, keeping the children off the streets uh, where, uh, you know, that uh, they might run into trouble and things like that is very true. The, and so what happened with uh, the system as it developed is that it became a, a fantastic musical experience of the highest w level worldwide. And... Uh, so music excellence was coupled with social development and social improvement and uh, improvement of the quality of life in people. And uh, many, many people have gone through El Sistema by the hundreds of thousands, and uh, some of them uh, have shown in the world, such as Erickson Ruiz and conductor Gustavo Damel, the music director of the Los Angeles Philharmonic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's probably the most famous product of the El Sistema, right? I believe Gustavo so. Dudamel, yeah. Yes. And done very well at the Los Angeles oh, yes. Philharmonic, yeah. Um, I want to talk to uh, Ron Kahn. Um, how did you come to choose the double bass? You know, I, I started, uh, like a, a lot of bassists, actually, on electric bass. And it, it wasn't actually until college that I started playing the upright bass and uh like Edison mentioned, oftentimes there are fewer opportunities for bassists. So, I, you know, even when I had started playing electric bass, I, I thought, man, playing the upright bass would be amazing, but I had no idea where to start. I didn't have an instrument. I didn't know any teachers. And, and then when I got to college, I started to see this could maybe be a possibility. And, uh, and so that's kind of how I, I got into it. Hmm. Uh, so there's not a, I don't know, there's, there's, 
less repertoire for the upright bass, right? Solo, concerto. Yeah. Am I right in that? Yeah, it was it was kind of developing later as a solo instrument. And part of that was the technology mm-hmm. of the instrument. Uh, even there were different tuning systems at different times, and 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 the instrument's playability has really developed over the years. And part of it too was um, composers recognizing the potential of the bass. And there are some there's some famous examples. You know, there are some great composers, Beethoven and others, who wrote in their orchestral works some wonderful parts for bass that really feature the instrument. Uh, but it wasn't until historically later that it really started developing. So even now, we oftentimes um, kind of steal repertoire from from other instruments and and perform it on the bass. Mm. Yeah. Now, in, at least in America, when I when I think double bass, I think Edgar Meyer, right? Sure. That's, yeah. That's and, the name that comes forward. He's right. kind of a lot of different genres and yeah. sort of popularized the double bass. Yeah. He's somebody that you know, has an amazing classical background, but has also done a lot in the Americana style. And that has uh, made a lot of his music more accessible and really influenced uh, a lot of other bassists who have kind of followed in that path with groups like the Punch Brothers or others who have kind of uh, started this new improvised bluegrass music that blends different influences, people like Chris Thiele and others that Edgar Meyer have collaborated with that are coming from a background of folk and bluegrass music, but are also heavily influenced by classical music, specifically the music of Bach and others, and trying to blend those styles together. Mm-hmm. So Edrickson, Reese, you've stayed within classical music, right? Um, yes. I believe you've made some recordings. Yes, I have done four CDs, five CDs, actually. Yeah. How did you choose what to, what to record? Well, I, I was very lucky to study with a cellist uh, from, nine, uh, from 2009 on, and he helped me to understand more about the historical way of interpretation. Mm. So I, I own myself a historical instrument from 1754, Italian, and, and then I, I bought an ancient bow uh, from the 18th century to hammerhead model, and uh, I learned the uh, way to tune the strings from the 18th century, which was what uh, Mozart, Haydn, and the contemporaries knew. Actually, Mozart wrote a solo piece for the double bass right before he died, Per Questa Bella Mano, which is uh, full of uh, real homage for the double bass uh, as a virtuoso instrument. And his his friends who with whom with him uh, with whom he played quartet and chamber music, uh, Dieterstorff in the violin, Haydn in the viola, and Van Halen in the cello, they also wrote double bass concerti. Uh, Dieterstorff wrote two, Haydn wrote two, and Van Halen wrote one. And also another friend from them also wrote like uh, uh, Pichel and Kochaut and the virtuoso in Germany Sperger wrote about fifteen concerti. They all are one more beautiful than the other. Anton Zimmermann, who also played in the orchestra of Haydn in Stahasi, also wrote a concerto very uh, much like Haydn style. And I learned all of them and uh, recorded them in three CDs. And I didn't do not even a quarter of uh, the, of, because there are also sonatas and, and duos 
there's so much and uh, it's all of course forgotten it's a different instrument it's like in the piano you will go here to C and there the D and here the E and the left side it's you have to really change your brain for for this new instrument and that's uh, how I picked up my first um, collaboration to the uh, double bass society and then I uh, jumped completely 300 years later to contemporary music uh, held by Heinz Holliger, the oboist and composer and conductor from Switzerland, and I uh, commissioned pieces by ha- Georg Friedrich Haas and Tosho Hosokawa and uh, himself, uh, Heinz Holliger, and friends of him like uh, uh, Kelter Born and uh, Elliot Carter, whom I was also lucky to meet before he died. And then I recorded all this new music for the double bass, some of it also adapted for the ancient tuning and also modified for modern music terms and and needs. And in, in between, now I have combined the ancient uh, tuning with the Latin music. And that is maybe a surprise in the Thursday concert uh, if I succeed to encamp the people <laughs> with the <laughs> classical concerto. And uh, now I can uh, be I'm able to play my root music, which is Latin American music, with this ancient um, tuning, which actually was the most uh, the most beautiful and most fruitful period of the history of the double bass. Because, as I say, so many concerti were written, more than thirty, we can count them, and then uh, Botticini from Italy. Went to Vienna to where the instrument was uh, being played, and uh, of course buried it mm. with his virtuosity on his three strings. And on top of that, Beethoven, who was the star in in Vienna, he got also in love with the way that the, another Italian virtuoso, Dragonetti, used to play in fourth, which was completely opposite to what they did in Vienna in third and fourth. And uh, he obliged obliged the bass players in Vienna to change the tuning of their basses to all fours in order to match the low octave of the cello. And that's how the the history of the double bass got cut and the Viennese bass died. And uh, there was no, no, um, how do you say, um, history to continue writing great concerti for the double bass because it was a new instrument which nobody really knew. And Botticini was writing his music himself, like his friends, like Vienaski and Vietans and and Piatti and and all the other virtuosos. So it, it got it got to be reborn again, uh, in this sudden death. And it has been until actually now in the 20th century that we have been lucky to get again some new concertos by Tubin or Rota, the, the film composer, or even Hans Werner Hanse. Hanse uh, the modern composer and, uh, of course, the, the great uh, Russian conductor and double bassist Kusevitsky, who also helped so much America and mm. European and Russian composers to, to come over and to be known here, like Rachmaninoff and, and later Prokofiev and Bartok. They, they couldn't even pay their bills uh, in the hospital, and uh, he helped them because he was a star here in Boston mm. and... And that's how the, the concerto for orchestra by Bartok was mm. done. That's a r- great gratitude to, mm-hmm. to Bernstein for paying his hosti- hospital bill. 
Yeah. They, they, you know, music has always made us so busy. We are busy about beauty, about perfection, about innovating, about uh, uh, how can I do a shift better? How can I improve myself? And and we are so unaware of our uh, surroundings of war and politics. And that's how musicians are, in a way, a bit more poor than mm-hmm. uh, businessmen and politicians. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to uh, Utah Public Radio to access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. And uh, the voice you're hearing right there was uh, double bassist Erickson Reese. He's from Venezuela. He's one of the premier soloists in the world today. Um, and uh, he uh, became one of the youngest members of the Berlin Philharmonic at age of 18 in 2003. Erickson Reese was on the OSU campus in mid-March, right before restrictions were imposed uh, uh, to try to prevent the spread of uh, the coronavirus. And uh, so we did get this interview in. We're putting this on today. We're also talking with Sergio Bernal, Director of Orchestral Studies at USU, and Bron Kahn, Assistant Professor of Double Bass and Jazz Studies at USU. We'll have more following this break. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Angie's, thanking Cache Valley for ongoing support during this difficult time. Dine-in, curbside, and delivery available for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Looking forward to seeing and serving customers? Information and menu available at angiesrest.com. This is Science by the Slice. Among the challenges of meeting the energy demands of portable devices, electric vehicles and alternative energy storage is creating safer, more affordable, and more effective batteries. USU chemists are developing emerging aqueous organic redox flow battery technology to meet these needs. The technology addresses such challenges as unstable grid energy from solar and wind sources, along with frequent charging and discharging. This segment of Science by the Slice is brought to you by the USU College of Science, offering degree programs in the sciences and mathematics. Details at usu.edu slash science. Thanks for joining us for Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We're talking with double bassist Erickson Reese. In fact, uh, you hear him on the double bass there in a recording of some Bottasini. Uh, he made reference to Bottasini in the first uh, part of our conversation. Erickson Reese is one of the premier double bass soloists in the world. He's the previous winner of the International Society of Basses Solo Competition. Became the youngest member, one of the youngest members of Berlin Philharmonic at age of 18. And he's a product of the famous El Sistema in Venezuela. Erickson Reese was in Logan in March ahead of uh, several activities at USU. Most of those were canceled due to restrictions imposed to prevent uh, transmission of the coronavirus. Uh, But we did get this conversation in, and later in this hour you'll hear a recording that Erickson Reese made with the USU Symphony Orchestra. Here's part two of our conversation with Erickson Reese, and we're talking with Sergio Bernal, Director of Orchestral Studies at USU, and Bron Kahn, Assistant Professor of Double Bass and Jazz Studies at USU. I wonder if I could have uh, either uh, uh, Bron Connard or Sergio Bernal uh, brag on Erickson Reese. We won't have him do it himself, but so the youngest, youngest player for the Berlin Philharmonic? 
maybe still, I'm not sure, but uh, yes, uh, and, some uh, great achievements. Yes, hearing Edison speak about so many styles and, and with, with such knowledge and, and such involvement, it, it really amazes me how a, a person who started learning the bass or learning music at age 11 became a permanent member of the greatest orchestra in the world six years later. That It's really amazing. It speaks uh, tons, of course, about his own individual talent, but also about the surroundings, that there was so much music going on that, that if he could just catch on and start making music already from the beginning. It was not like he had to go to a school and learn note by note and mm-hmm. notation. And no, he he learned by playing music, and and uh, it seems like that type of experience you c- could find in olden times. And a, another example is Mozart, who was from a musical family, and he learned from his father. And Mozart, of course, was a child prodigy. But but people who who have this incredible talent. Have the chance of 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 developing that talent that nobody otherwise would know about, because there is the the music family, a huge musical family, where they can flourish. Hmm. Ron Khan, what what makes a great double bass player? Well, there there are so many things, but you know, I, I think uh, with Edickson, you know, I've known about him for years. And when Sergio came to me and said, I think maybe we could bring him here, it was such a thrilling idea. But one of the things that I think is really special about Edickson and his playing, again, is this knowledge of the historical styles and performance. And what he's describing, that different way of tuning the bass, is a totally different way of, of thinking about the instrument for modern players. And it's it's very difficult for players who've grown up with our standard tuning and force to try and think in that way, you have to kind of relearn the instrument. And so his ability to play in that style and bring these pieces to life in the way that they were originally composed in this different tuning style is, is really very unique in the world. There are not many bassists who, who can do that and can bring it forth with really such clarity and beauty. Uh, I want to pause the what you might call the higher portion of the of the uh, of the conversation, and and uh, I'm curious if you're a violinist, you can take your instrument with you on the plane. Probably just carry. I don't know. You put it in the overhead. What what do you do? <laughs> How do you travel with your double bass? You you've got a, a you know a, a period instrument for what did you say the well, 1800s? Uh, yeah, 17, yeah, 1700s. Yeah. 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 And it's always a challenge, of course, and every single trip is a new adventure. But uh, already Bottesini and Dragonetti travel with their instruments, mm-hmm. and Louis Spohr travel with the harp of his wife, mm-hmm. already back then without train and on horses, carriages. So it is possible, and always the, the will and the destiny will will choice, and and decide, but if if there is will, there is hope. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have always been scared by uh, airlines and their employ- employers about the base is too heavy or too big, or w- you didn't write it in your booking. Or, but I, you know, as I say, I care for other things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These right. matters are really not my primary. Right. 
uh, worries. And uh, I have traveled, uh, luckily, the world with it, with the bass. Mm-hmm. And I know it is possible, so I hope I can still do it more and more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's hope, especially with such a valuable instrument. Uh, so tell me about, um, uh, you, you got into a young artist program with Berlin Philharmonic, did you? Is that how you came connected with, so 17 years old. Yes, it you, was you, a pure you, luck. You travel from Venezuela to Berlin and... It was, uh, I was 16 when I was picked up to join the youth orchestra of Germany called Schleswig-Holstein, where I met the teacher of double bass, Janne Saxela, who was the member of the Berlin Phil. And I, I was shocked how he played the double bass and I wanted to learn that and to learn by him. So I asked him, where, where can I do that? And he said, no, I don't teach anywhere. But if you come to the Karian Academy of the orchestra, I may be able to teach you. So I did that, and they, they didn't invite me uh, at first because I was too young, and it's actually a postgrade study or uh, for, for young musicians. And they had to make an exception, and, they, and he, he took his boss, the principal bass player back then, Klaus Stoll, to convince the director of the academy to invite me to make an exception because the, the player, Janne, said that I, we, they, they should have here they should hear me play. So they invited me by telephone and said, take the plane in two days' time. And I went there and, and played. I remember I had a blackout during the <laughs> audition, but somehow they they accepted me. I don't know why. And I, I returned to Venezuela, ended my high school there. And then one year later, in 2002, I flew in September there to, to begin my studies and to start playing with the orchestra as a student. And, s- I, and when I landed, I learned that six weeks later there w- will be a uh, double bass audition to enter the orchestra. And I said, well, I mean, I have nothing to look there because I am starting now. I don't, know, I don't speak English. I don't speak German. Uh, there is so much I have to learn. And my teacher, when he started, then I got the, not- the, the news that I will not start with the person I wanted, but with his principal with his mm. boss, the, the Maestro Stoll, and uh, I didn't know Maestro Stoll, but he is such an incredible teacher and pedagogue that um, when he heard me play, he said, in six weeks' time there's an audition, you have to play, because uh, uh, academists are obliged to play, and it was the idea of Karian, because Karian was an airplane pilot, to train the co-pilot, in order that the co-pilot at some point can take also the mm. the reins and uh, take the plane as a pilot. And that's the idea of the academy, to train the co-pilot so for, for future engagements. Mm. So that's why, why we have to play. And he said to me, I want my colleagues to listen how a child of a third world country plays. Mm. And I, uh, I did what I could. And uh, he teach me maybe I had six or seven lessons and and then uh, they happen to to go for all the decisions of the Berlin Philharmonic are polemic mm. and, uh, and somehow not logic. You cannot predict them. And they went for the kid that had no orchestra experience in, in I mean, a professional world-class orchestra, which all the other academies already were in world-class orchestra. They were in Munich Phil, they were in the Royal Danish Opera House, they were all over the place also, in the radio in Berlin. And they went for the 17 years of <laughs> <laughs> potential talent to, to be built after their needs. 
And then I had three years trial, uh, one which I, I couldn't sign any contract because I was 17. So they let me to they let me play in the academy the one year, and then the, the, my official trial started. And then it took two years, and it was very narrow mm. the the votation in the end. And but uh, still, that's the system, and mm. you know about system more than I do. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and then now I've been played there for nearly 18 years. Mm-hmm. It happened in the past when the, these 11 musicians jumped out of the previous orchestra in 1882 and formed the the Orchestra Berlin um, that they took with them a young harp player which was 15 years old mm. and actually he might be the youngest member ever mm. in the orchestra but through audition and through competition uh, might be that I am the youngest mm-hmm. And yeah, for that's... for center maybe also the first Latin American to mm-hmm. join them. Apart that Teresa Carreño, mm-hmm. our Venezuelan pianist, played with them more than eighty concerts mm-hmm. in the beginning of the nineteenth, uh, in the beginning of the twentieth century, to to uh, to f- uh, fundraise, um, in uh, to benefit the orchestra because they were new orchestra without fina- financial and. Uh, she she was already there back yeah. then with Nikish and, and Bulo. Bulo. Mm. You're listening to Access U Time, Tom Williams, and we're talking with Venezuelan double bassist Exxon Rees. He's one of the premier double bass soloists in the world, and he joined me in the studio in mid-March, right before uh, restrictions were imposed uh, to prevent the spread of the coronavirus. Uh, we're also talking with Sergio Bernal, Director of Orchestral Studies at uh, USU, and Bron Kahn, Assistant Professor of Double Bass and Jazz Studies at USU. We'll have more, including some music, following uh, this break. Programming on Utah Public Radio is supported in part by our members and Palmer Home Furnishings and Mountain Ridge Furniture, offering a variety of bedroom sets and mattresses from brands like Maloof, Spring Air, and Serta. Located at 1670 South Highway 165 in Providence. Information at palmerhomefurnishings.com. Support also comes from utahhumanities.org, improving communities through active engagement with the humanities. This is Debbie Andrew. As a service to you, Utah Public Radio is providing on-air and online resources for ways you can take advantage of social distance recreating in your hometown. Representatives from Davis, Garfield, Cache, and other tourism areas are sharing ideas about unique hiking trails, scenic drives, and places to grab an on-the-go bite to eat. If you missed the message here, you can always get more information on our Project Resilience webpage. Find the link online at upr.org. You're listening to Access U Time, Tom Williams. We're, you're hearing just a little bit of uh, a, uh, a movement from a concerto by a Venezuelan composer Efrain Osher, uh, music that he wrote for uh, Edison Reese. We'll hear uh, more of that music at the end of the program uh, today. We're talking with uh, Venezuelan double bassist Edison Ruiz. He's one of the premier double bass soloists in the world and uh, performs around the world, or at least it did until the pandemic hit, and hopefully you'll get back to that. Has several CDs available, and you can check out more information on his website, edixonruiz.com. We're also talking with Sergio Bernal, a director of orchestral studies at USU, and Bron Kahn, assistant professor of double bass and jazz studies at USU. So, Sergio Bernal, um, 
is uh, there's a lot of unrest, of course, political and economic unrest in Venezuela today. Is El Sistema still operating? Yes, the, it is still mm. operating, and um, uh, uh, as I understand, going through difficulties because of of all the social turmoil, and and maybe Erickson can can let us know a little bit more about it because he's, he's more connected with the musicians. I worked for El Sistema for about 10 years and then came to work at Utah State University. And I've, I have kept in touch with people there, but mostly people who have left Venezuela. Mm-hmm. So you have still have friends, family back in Venezuela? Yes, so everybody's mm-hmm. there. Um, of course, some Our, musicians have left the country. Oh, okay. Musicians have left? Yes, and okay. also some family has left. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very lucky to have my mom uh, in Berlin with me now. Mm-hmm. But uh, the system, El Sistema, works. And, of course, uh, when so many musicians have left the country, the orchestras were abandoned. Mm. So they have to re- rebuild an orchestra with the rest of musicians mm-hmm. that were left. And uh, that's why they have now a new orchestra called Juan José Landaeta. Mm. And, uh, you know, that's h- how I learned. is because my f- previous teachers in the system and the previous generation of the system got very advanced. They got to play with Placio Domingo, they got to play with Meta, they got to play with Osawa, with Maestro Mata. And the, the, for them, it, this was routine. So because they were so advanced, we kids of my generation, 1996, got so fast involved in the, in the praxis, in the, in the practice. And uh, that's what's happening now. We took it for- further, and the, n- the actual generation is taking over from the point we left it. Mm. So the level has not decreased. It is still up raising. It, it's, it's raising. Mm-hmm. But, um, of course, uh, Venezuela is, is in, a pr- in a very deep crisis, human crisis and economic crisis that um, the, the music is like a, a saving table where the people can grab themselves not to sink mm. in, in, in reality, in, in real poorness, because the poorness is not the one which is material. The poorness is spiritual. Mm. And the, 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 the spiritual richness always wins against the uh, material poorness. Mm. And that's how they succeed, uh, believing and practicing and going on. And as Maestro Abreu always said, it's not just playing, it's also fighting. And that's what uh, it keeps them going. His family is still running the, the foundation, and his nephew is, is on top, and, and his sisters. And, and all the, the teachers who accompany him are still in the front. And the person he, he, he uh, trained the last uh, uh, 10 years of his, uh, of his office time is still there. And of course, now they have less money and stuff. But the Sistema has always functioned from, from eye to eye level. That means if I know something, we, we were playing together, I, you, I give it to you, 
you take it, and that's how they learn. They never learn from a hierarchic mm. uh, figure. They always learn from each other, mm. and that's how they had. They they still, uh, you know, raising up and and blooming. Mm among all the, the losts they, they have had. Mm. It's a self-recycling and self-nutrishing system. Mm. Very, very visionary, like mm -hmm. Maestro Bernal said before. And it's a, a, a root-generated movement. And that's why when knowing that Erickson Ruiz was going to come uh, to Utah State, I thought of, of naming the concert from the base up. Because in music, we tend to think of, of, of the sound from the bass that generates all the harmonics that from which the other res uh, instruments resonate. But also, uh, being this a grassroots movement means that the younger ge generation, and always the approach has been to train uh, uh, children from very, very early ages to make music. And that makes, as, as Erickson says, it is it is not like a like it's uh, like a hierarchy, but it's from from the base that people converge and then they build upwards mm. that way. I'm curious, uh, sending music aside, you you said your mother is thankfully now living with you. Uh, do you still have friends, uh, family back in Venezuela? Yes. Uh, how how are they doing? Well, this. everybody in Venezuela is struggling because mm -hmm. there, there is no water. They get maybe half an hour very early in the morning from 5.30 to 6 water. Three days in the week, the other day not, so they have to save water. It's, and then electricity goes every three or four times in the day off. And people are dying in, in, in hospitals, in dialysis, in uh, by operations, uh, the surgery. Um Uh, the, you cannot find really food. Uh, the queuing for, for, for just rice or milk, it's just endless uh, kilometers of queuing. And, uh, I, you know, I, I raised with my mom. My mom uh, uh, got fired of her work at the age of 50, and she, she went back to taxi driving, and I, then I would join her uh, to, to accompany her because she would like to drive nights and not during the day because of traffic and heat and, and stress. So um, for me, my only family in my heart is my mom mm -hmm. because we raised together alone. Uh, we never had the figure of my father with us. And that's why I, I, I was able to pick her up and uh, now she's a bit ill and I'm caring, uh, taking care of her. Mm -hmm. um, of course, I cannot take my entire family with me because there are 28 uncles. Mm. And, and, uh, That would be hard, yes. Yeah, mm. <laughs> you can imagine. Mm -hmm. And aunties and, and many nephews, it's impossible. I, I don't earn that much. Mm. <laughs> But uh, I think everyone is surviving and, and also, most of them had got thinner. Uh, because they don't have much to eat, and, mm -hmm. and but you know, has uh, in five hundred years ago when when Spaniards came to America and the English came also to North America, its evolution has always been rough and raw mm -hmm. and wild, and uh, these make us be stronger, mm -hmm. and what doesn't kill us make us stronger. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is, there is nothing bad which does, doesn't end in well. 
and this is all gonna take us to a new new philosophy we will know and appreciate the future because we went through the hard times and people doesn't learn from others example they have to experience it in own flesh mm. and that's how that's how we grow up and we are actually a young continent Europe is so many thousands of years old and they had so many wars and disasters and epidemies and so it's our time now to learn some 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 teaching and we have to to make the best out of it mm. it's an optimistic view um so Sergio Bernal do you I don't know if you have friends back in Venezuela how they're doing well my wife is from Venezuela and uh, well she she lives here with with me since we got here in 2001 but her close family is still there and they're go undergoing hardship and some of them have had to leave venezuela uh, her sister and and her family ended up going to colombia as recently as last year because of, of being prosecuted uh, 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 and uh, being chased by by people with with bad intentions and things like that so it's, it's 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 very hard and i can see it in in my wife how it has been troubling to her mm. it's, it's it's very rough mm. yeah um just a few minutes left in the conversation i want to turn back to bron Khan. um talk i was interested in you you said you came from the world of electric bass mm -hmm. ended up in classical music world of mm -hmm. of double bass do you still listen to electric bassists? Do you still play the electric bass? Do you go back and forth? I, I do, yeah. I still play electric bass quite frequently and, and play in different sorts of styles, jazz and pop and rock and things like that. And uh, Actually, one of the things I, I should mention, uh, Edixon is here as a part of a bass festival that we're doing okay. uh, all this week, and this is something uh, we've started now. It's in its third year, and, and like he referenced earlier, oftentimes there are fewer opportunities for bassists in different communities. There are more opportunities for violinists or violists or cellists, and and young students sometimes. When I was a kid, you know, I never even thought about playing the bass, even when I started playing electric bass, because I, I had never seen it played as a solo instrument or didn't realize its its possibilities. And so we have a uh, his residency here all this week leads up to an all-day festival on Saturday. Um, and this is the third year that we've done it. Now we'll have almost 50 bassists here from all around the region from ages. I think our youngest last year was maybe uh, like 9 or 10. And then people up in their 60s, students, amateurs, professionals. And we all kind of come together for a day of playing and learning and, and then get to hear Edickson at the end of the day. And it's, it's part of trying to create more opportunities for students and for people who would like to learn more about the bass and, and uh, get exposed to some of the things that it, that it can do because sometimes we see it in such a, a narrow context. Mm -hmm. do, do you find there is interest in the double bass? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And we actually, you know, there's a, a Mountain West Strings program here that has students that are involved in, in bass as well. And, and I know Sergio has a, a youth orchestra that he works with as well here in the Valley that has some, some bass students. Um, and that interest is growing more and more. And even in a big picture sense, 
Nowadays, there are more and more instruments that are available for students that are small-scale basses, so that students can start playing the bass when they're five, six, seven, and have an instrument that, that actually is appropriate to their size. That's one of the challenges that mm-hmm. historically students have experienced. Yeah, you, you have to kind of grow into the, yeah. and into there, the double bass. There you? are stories of even you mm-hmm. know well-known, famous uh, classical bassists nowadays that when they first started playing, they would stand on a chair next to the bass mm-hmm. to try and play it, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. they took a cello and they, put, they tuned it like a bass and right. had to make it work. You know? But nowadays we have, we have these smaller instruments that are, are becoming more common, and young bass pedagogy is, has become uh, um, much larger and more developed than it ever was. Yeah. Just have a couple minutes left. So what did you do? You were 11 years old. Yes. And and you the viola fell apart. You chose the bass. Yes. But it was, I imagine it was pretty big. Yeah, I had uh, an, an, an eighth, an eighth bass, okay. which is slightly bigger than a cello, okay. four quarters. And uh, the shoulders, of course, are falling down, not like the cello, which they blow mm-hmm. uh, aside. Um, I, I must say that I was big to start with the bass. Mm. I had met a young bass player, five years old, six years old, in Hong Kong, playing the Bach suites mm. on the double bass. I was really, really uh, shocked. A, a full-size double bass? No, of course. A, a smaller, a smaller. Tiny, okay, yeah, tiny okay, bass. Yeah, maybe mm-hmm. a cello, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, size. Because now they build it. Mm-hmm. You know, Chinese, they build whatever you want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they build it uh, in the size of a cello, a double bass with the right shoulders. And there is a huge movement. I, I actually thought I, I started late. But in Europe, uh, the people start even later, with 15, with 19. But uh, luckily, as I said, um, I could do something. I would love to do more. I was telling yesterday, Maestro Bernard, music is so wide. Mm. I would love to write music. I would love to be able to to play another instrument. I would love to to able to play uh, to, to play with a to conduct an orchestra. So I I really feel that I am actually right at the beginning. And uh, I hope I, I get the, the energy to fulfill my dreams. And uh, it's, it's endless. Mm-hmm. And now I became father of a three-month-old baby. Oh, congratulations. So <laughs> mm-hmm. the, um, life is changing, mm-hmm. luckily. So I'm, I'm curious to see what happened with mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. That's a good place to end the conversation. <laughs> so we'll, uh, we'll end that there. Uh, thanks, gentlemen. Pre- appreciate it. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Thank you very much. That's my conversation recorded in uh, mid-March, just before COVID restrictions were imposed in Logan, uh, with uh, double bassist uh, Erickson Ruiz. Uh, we also were talking with Sergio Bernal, who's director of choral activities, uh, or rather uh, orchestral studies at USU, and um, Bron Kahn, assistant professor of double bass and jazz studies at uh, USU. We'll uh, go out today with some music uh, recorded uh, on March 12th. This was a dress rehearsal that the orchestra, USU Symphony Orchestra, Sergio Bernal conducting, um, and uh, Edison Reese on the double bass recorded. Uh, here's what uh, Professor Bernal says. We did not get performed the concert that night because of COVID. I believe no other rehearsals or performances have been held in the Danes Concert Hall uh, since then. Soledad, or Solitude, is a movement from the Barroquianas Venosolanas Number no. 4, which is a bass 
Bass Concerto that composer Efrain Osher wrote for Edixon Reis, based on Venezuelan traditional music and inspired by the structures of Baroque music. Incidentally, Mr. Osher named this evocative slow movement Soledad without knowing that Soledad also happens to be Edixon Reis's mother's name. So let's uh, hear this. Uh, this is a movement from Barroquianus Venezolanus Number no. 4 by composer Efrain Osher, written for Edixon Reis. This is performed by the USU Symphony Orchestra, Sergio Bernal conducting on the double bass is Edixon Reis.
Utah Public Radio is a statewide service of Utah State University and the College of Humanities and Social Sciences. KUSR Logan, KUSK Vernal, KUSL Richfield, KUST Moab, KCEU Price, KUSUFM Logan. Also heard at upr.org. Thank you.